Welcome to another episode of What's New in Wagyu. Again, here's Stephen and Lane. So today we're going to have an interesting start to our our discussion. Uh, mainly, I'll start off with the cattle market real quick. The cattle market's been up and down over the last three to four days. We're up about five cents on fats, and that's pretty much across the board. So you're you're creeping up closer and closer to that three dollar mark for finished fats, and um, that's a pretty good deal. Like I figure by the end of the year it'll be probably around four at this rate. The price of feed and the price of fuel and everything else is is really causing this to escalate a little quicker than I thought it was going to. Um, but I feel like we're kind of right on the mark. Uh, corn's up, uh, wheat, soybeans have been holding steady. So the really the inputs are staying pretty firm, and that's going to cause the beef to go firm. The other thing is, is we're so down in inventory right now that there's not a lot of cattle hitting the rail, the hook. And that's just due to us killing so many cattle over the last year and a half. The other issue is, is we're in some parts of the country, is we can't get cattle to the packing house. Like they've, they've overbooked and now they've got fats waiting. So these fats are getting bigger. And the problem with fats getting bigger is, is that's more meat for them to have to deal with on the packing side. And because of that, they don't need as many animals because they have an excess of weight. So we're doing pretty good in the cattle industry right now. A lot of guys are going to get some decent paychecks this year. They haven't had in the past. And those who utilize F1s, in the Wagyu game are going to get a premium on top of that. So I think this year is probably one of the few years we're going to see people be able to afford a few more things in, in the livestock industry. Now, here's the problem with this. In the Pacific Northwest and in the West especially, we had a terrible winter. And most of, of the studies I've been reading and seeing and hearing about, we're at about a 10 to 20% death loss in calves. So most of these guys are barely going to break even with this added added money. And, you know, the big thing is, is that they break even so that they're farming next year. That's really the truth of it. So I'm going to leave you at that with a market search. And then we're going to have a swan song today. So I inherited a cow from my mentor. Her name is 767T. And she is a Sanjuro by Nakazura. Um, most of her calves have sold for around, and she's a black wagyu. Uh, most of them have sold around fifteen to twenty thousand dollars as calves. Her embryos go well; used to go for three grand. They've now doubled in price because she stopped giving embryos, and we decided to move her to the next phase of the operation at fifteen years six months. And she's never been on much grain. Um, she's pretty much just been a collection cow her whole life, and. So we, we booked her a day to visit Lane. And that was a sad day. Yeah, I actually couldn't go over to the kill pens the whole time she was there. So I, I avoided them for almost a week and a half. Yeah, he has just me do his dirty work. <laughs> Lane's like the hit man. We work in the mafia world. I'm like, hey, Lane, um, you need to schedule a date, and, and you've got to go make sure she gets picked up. And I don't want to see her because I'll end up letting her out in the pasture to walk around. And uh, actually, um, she did really well, Steve. Well, and, and that's the thing, guys. So very few people get to have a cow that has 80-plus progeny. I've got, I had one. 
She was a great cow, 15 years, six months. Her teeth were a little war, but she was a decent body condition, I felt, for her age and, and what she'd lived through throughout her life. And we have killed dozens of cows, not we goo, but dozens of cows a lot younger than she's been. And she was better than most three-year-old cows that we've well, well, happened to have to do. And here's the deal. She's better than most steersling gets that aren't Wagyu. Yeah. She was, she was, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, marbling good. Uh, fat melt was 98, a little high for us, but it, it's well, acceptable. And she's 15.6 and had no grain, right? Yeah. That's big right there. Like yeah. That fat melting point's fluctuating based on feed sometimes a little bit and genetics. Uh, her marbling was good. Um, her real, tenderness surprised me. It was really tender. You know, real nice, soft, tender meat. And sometimes we get into some trouble because, you know, older cows tend to be tougher. And so what me and Lane did is some took some chuck eyes and took them home and we cooked them for lunch. That's how we decided how tender they really were because it worried me. Because the length of the muscle fiber was a lot longer than I'd like to see it. And that was, I would say, the only downside. But it was so nice and soft, it didn't really seem to have a big effect. There's a little little difference of consistency in the chew and stuff. But overall flavor and... um, I'd buy it in a restaurant. Yeah, well, and and me and Lane talked about this. It's better than any of the Angus product you're going to end up with. And it's it reminds me a lot of eating Angus Shirley cross cattle. That, that's what it reminds me of. Um, the other interesting thing to me is I didn't I didn't expect it to marble as well as it did for her not having any time in the feedlot. And the only downside that I saw really was uh, because of her age, um, her loin the the New York section wasn't as wide. A well, steak yeah, is what yeah. we usually have. It was nicely marbled and it was tender, but so, I mean, it just didn't look quite like the New Yorks that we like to see. Well, and, and this gives us a huge opportunity to help our staff out when we have animals like this. And me and Lane have talked a lot, and, and a lot of people think it's weird that we don't have to lock everything up in our shop. They're like, oh, how do you keep your, your folks from stealing meat? I'm like, well... One, we, we hire good people that aren't going to just steal from us most of the time. Like, like we get those here and there that, that are uh, suspect. That's the best way to put that. But we tend to make sure their freezers are full. It's a lot easier for me to take this cow and take the good, the good cuts and cut them into steaks and give them all the hamburger they can eat because they'd rather have the hamburger than anything else I, f- I f- keep finding out. Yeah. And, and then some of the... Round roast and things like yeah. that. They like an occasional roast. Um, yeah, a little bit of stew meat, a little carne asada. I mean, it's just it just uh, supplements their paycheck. Oh yeah, and uh, they're they're eating good. Helps them come to work. It gives them a reason to be there other than just uh, getting a paycheck, right? Well, and the other thing it does to them, too, is that, like, let's be honest about it. So we sell our New Yorks and ribeyes for what on average? Like, what's our average price? 
For New York's and T-Bones, probably between 100 and 125 a pound. So, you know, our, our guys aren't going to be going... They'd have to save up to go out to a Ford Wagyu. And I'm a firm believer that if you work hard for us, we take care of you. So for them, one of the benefits of working hard and being a good employee is they get hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of meat every year. We just give it to them. It's better than any bonus I think we could give out because A, it's not taxed. And B, it makes their home life easier. When mama's happy because she has plenty of things in the freezer to, to choose from for dinner, it makes your life easier. And, and Lane's done a really good job of, of making sure that, like, if I'm at the point where I'm like, you know, we've got a steer, I don't really love it. Sometimes we'll pull the good or the better parts and then give the staff the rest of it. And we always have a little bit put aside in case there's an oops in right. the shop. And so, sorry we couldn't get your brisket, but how about some... Uh, Sirloin tip steaks to make up for it of uh, this way goo. Right. And, 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 so it's, it, and it works it itself out, right? right? Yeah. It works right. itself out because they're getting something that they wouldn't have got anyway. So, and we, you know, the weird thing is, is more and more we get people asking for Wagyu, like on a more steadily basis than we used to. And that's always surprised me too, is how fast people start gravitating to higher quality meat. Um, we've got a couple guys that have built new houses and now they have money because they're not building their house anymore. Uh, they come pretty often to get some stuff. So the cool thing about this cow was, is she's a Sanjiro daughter over in Akazura. And, and, you know, Lone Mountain bred her, the original breeding and made her. And then they used her quite a bit early on. And then Eldon ended up with her out at Rocky Mountain Wagyu. And then when Eldon passed, um, a couple guys ended up with her and they sent her out to Vitali, I believe. And they didn't have a very good successful embryo collection. When they were done... I think they got like 20 embryos in like 14 months or something weird like that. Uh, we brought her home. Um, everybody figured she was done. I got talking to a couple of buddies of mine and we decided to send her down um, to a, to a embryologist that I use very rarely. Um, only because I have a good, I have a friend that I've made down there um, that was willing to house her on, on his dairy um, Eric is, is phenomenal when it comes to those things. Um, he's got, it's kind of cool too, cause he's got his own cheese making place there. Um, it, it's really cool. Uh, I'll put that on, I'll put his cheese stuff on our, on our podcast link too. Like he'll sell you a heck a whole wheel of cheddar that he makes. It's absolutely phenomenal. And he'll even ship it to you. Right. That's the cool thing about that. But anyway, so Eric has a dairy. He's got a bunch of Jersey cows there. But he did all my shots for me, all my FSH shots. And then he would travel her back and forth to OPU. Um, and he, you know, he he's pretty much the only reason we got the quantity of embryos we got at the end of her life. Um, by the time we were all said and done, we, we, were, we averaged like 10 or 12 early on per flush. And then as she got older... And we've had her there a little longer. It went down to the point where she just didn't give us any more. And she was all spent out at 15 years, six months. She's got over 80 progeny in not only the American, but the Australian book. So, guys, she's a worldwide cow. Um, we have a limited supply of embryos left. 
You may see me have a sale with them in the upcoming future, but they're going to be like our last sale, all private party, all private treaty, and we'll put a price on them. And if you don't want to buy them for that, that's cool. We'll just put them in. Because I know the calves are worth 15 to 20 grand because we've sold some in the past. So, you know, she she definitely had lived her purpose. She cut well. We got awesome carcass pictures on her for an animal that hadn't been on grain for a year. It, she surprised me. Um, she surprised me a lot more because uh, she would have probably made prime in that prime line. Uh, what do you think, Lane? High prime, medium prime? High prime. Yeah, I when I looked at it, I was going, she was right around that BMS 7.8, so I was kind of on the boat with it, like on the board, because there's very few times that you run into a cow, and she's almost right dead center in the middle between the 7s and 8s, and I think that's where she was. I Some of the, the other cuts weren't as marbled as I'd like to see, but overall, the important ones were marbled enough to make it work. But all the other cuts were um, tender. nice and soft. Yeah, enough. nice and tender. And not soft as in like spongy, but as no. in tenderness soft. Correct. So, you know, and that's that's the important part, right? She served her life. She served her purpose. Her genetic value has been, been maintained and saved. And now we're moving forward. One thing that really <laughs> surprised me is when we first cut her and things, how dark she was. Remember See, and, and, and I, I made that she comment was, to Lane. I go, she's not a dark cutter. It doesn't look right. But old cows, I'll tell everybody, they're just dark. I'm not sure why. And then as we cut the steaks and things and the air got to it, I mean, she, it bloomed, they up. bloomed up just absolutely cherry red and nice. And, and it was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen because it went from a purpley color to a red color. A and, dark purple, right? Yeah, in, yeah. in 20 minutes. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty... You know, I've got some pictures of it on the table after Lane broke it. And then as we're cutting steaks and it, it almost looks like a different animal. You know, it's kind of cool. Like stuff like that, most of you guys will never get the opportunity to see because you, you're not at the butcher shop. And it's the first time I've been down to the butcher shop in month. Yeah, we try and keep him away. He, he kind of likes to upset the troops. Yeah, sometimes I'm there to poke the bear. But... um but really, the you know, I, I spent a lot of time at the butcher shop early on, making sure that Lane was set up to go, setting all the business stuff up, setting up all the boundaries so that Lane had a had a nice, easy bumper bowling lane rather than a gutter on the left side and a gutter on the right. And and really, over the last year and a half, I I really haven't been to the butcher shop that often. It's usually we if we're killing wagyu, I'll come in and hang out, but it's usually not for very long either anymore. No. Um, you don't like that. I, I'm not a fan of the butcher shop. I'll be the first to tell you. I've, I, I live my life keeping animals alive. I really don't like them dead. It's just not something I enjoy. I understand the purposing, right? And I own the damn place. So I, I, I got that, but I don't like being there unless I have to be. And there's certain times I have to be there. It's just the reality of it. Yeah. Um, so now, now we've let her have her swan song. Lane's uh, going to usher me down the road, but we're going to have one more quick announcement before we go. Okay. So there are very few people you'll ever meet in your life that have been married to the same person for 45 years. And Lane's wife, bless her heart, has put up with him for 45 years yesterday, which was Friday. Um, and and it's those things are important, right? Because they're huge milestones in his life, but they're also huge milestones in anybody's life that's that, that he's friends with or around because 
Janice is the one that kind of gets him out the door sometimes when he's not quite ready to go out the door. Or she, she's there for when he has a bad day at work and wants to fire everybody. And I'm not around to go, well, why are you crying about it? He gets to go home and talk to her. So they've, they've had that long 45-year relationship. And I was joking with her. I go, wow, he's either really good at communication or you're really gullible. <laughs> and she started laughing. But the, but the honesty really of it is, uh, you know, probably most of you will never be around a lot of people that have been married that long. It's just the reality of it. Um, my grandparents, before they passed, they'd been married a long time, like 50 years. So I've been around a few people that way, but, you know, it's probably under 10. So now now Lane's been married that long. I'm going to have him give you one piece of advice before we move on to the next topic. And what would that one piece of advice to keep your wife happy for 45 years be, Lane? When I was a young man and we were getting married, right? This old, this old guy, and I understand now because I'm older, right? Right. He comes up to me, and he said, "Do you know the success for a long marriage? I've been married fifty-two years." I said, "Really?" He says, "Yes." Would you like me to share that with you? I said, "Okay." And he says, "It's just three little words." He says, "Do you know what they are?" I said, "No." <laughs> and I said, maybe it's I love you. He says, not even close. It's your right dear. <laughs> so, and even if you think they aren't, your thinking is probably off a little bit because most of the time, your spouse, she knows you better than anybody else. She, she knows all your pimples, all your warts, all your character flaws. And hopefully over the years, she helps repair those to where you become a kinder, better person. And Janice has, she's been my sweetheart since high school. And uh, I've been extremely fortunate and a lucky man to have her in my life. So now remember those three words, everyone. You're right, dear. Perfect. Now we can move on to the next set. So, Lane, what's up next on our agenda today? We're going to talk about the AWA and... Uh... So I got in a weird argument on the internet the other night. Um, I try not to do this very often. But it doesn't walk away from them either. No. And, and, and just because some people, they need to hear the truth and it hurts. So we're going to cover this really quick, and I'm not going to come back and, and toil on it because th there's some major issues going on right now that, that don't work for the Akushi Association. So here it is. The AWA and the Australian Wagyu Association are never going to just accept your Akushi Association registered animals. They're not going to do that for two reasons. One, they've got they've got things that have been put in place years ago, well before these other these other places were out there, that they will not just accept anybody's registration. They're not going to do it. They they want to have both mother and father in their their registry to verify parentage. Then the second reason, the Akushi Association has lost a lawsuit that has hurt their credibility. 
Whether you think it's right or wrong that they lost this lawsuit doesn't matter. The fact is they lost a lawsuit that hurts their established credibility. Because of this, they have less credibility than, than they've ever had before. And the problem with that is, is, Lane, what is the number one thing that a breed registry has to have in order to be functional and long-term? They have to have proper records of the dam and the sire going back generation after generation after generation. And then on verified, verified, verified Verified. that DNA verified, right? Correct. And then the second thing is the other, the other bitch that I hear a lot is, well, um, if I'm the owner of the calf and I want to dual register it, even if both animals are in the AWA, why can't I register it? Here's why. This registry, unlike any other registry, and, and people go, oh, we're part of all these other registries. Well, obviously, you're not paying attention. So in the Angus world, they sell certificates for you to register an animal. We don't do that in, in Wagyu. In other, industri- in other breed associations, they sell a verification or registration of some kind. The Wagyu Association does not do that, and thank goodness they don't. But here's the caveat. I know tons of guys who sell Wagyu that aren't ever to be registered. They are sold to a commercial cattleman. They're, sh- they're sold to somebody who, who doesn't want to pay for the extra money for registry, and they have an extra bull laying around. So they sell this bull with the knowledge that it will never be registered. So here's the deal. So Lane, I sold you a bull that is to never be registered, and you find out that Wagyu are worth a lot of money. What, what is one thing an unscrupulous person would do? They're going to say that... This is the best Wagyu you ever saw, and they're going to... Try to register. Try to register it. And if, even if they don't, can't get it done, we've seen plenty of people willing to pull the wool over people's eyes right. for, for the profit, right? Right. So the reason that the original breeder has to register the animal is so that the association takes all the guesswork out of, did you have the right to actually register that animal? And I'll tell you a secret. You better be grateful they do that. Because if I was to ever sell an animal as a non-registered animal and you registered it because your association allowed you to, Lane, what would I do? Do you think that I wouldn't round my lawyers up and own everything they had? Uh, he's, he's got a real aggressive attorney. And not only are they aggressive, we don't lose. I pay a lot of money to make sure we don't ever lose. So you people thinking that this is unfair should really think about what the association is actually doing for you. You know, we see it all the time, Steve. All the time. People come in, well, I've, I've got this Wagyu steer. And they bring them in, they cut them up, and then it's really not that good. That's really not that good, right? And we tell them, they say, well, what should I sell them for? Well, it's beef now. It's regular yeah, beef. It's, it's, you can get what the market bears, but it's not, your genetics obviously have problems. It's not fed very well. It doesn't have the marbling. Yeah, but it's Wagyu, so it should be worth more. No, 
it's not. There's a lot of Wagyu that aren't worth what an Angus or a Hereford or Akbali or uh, I've seen Shorthorn, right? Yeah. After owning this place, one thing that me and Lane see more than we'd like to admit we see is Wagyu that are far underperforming even the conventional cattle in this country. It's the reality of it. And then people want to place a premium on that, and I'm the first person to tell them don't do that. But I take animals that a lot of people would say, oh, that's a great Wagyu animal, and we sell it as regular beef. We do. Because I have a clientele base that is so trusting in the product that we give them that I can't I can't risk it. And, and we have clients that, you know, this, this winter, me and Lane have one of our best clients and they always buy, they always buy one or two and it seems to grow every year. And we were having some really terrible temperatures and I told Lane, Hey, can you give him a call and ask if we can delay out for two months? And they didn't even blink an eye at it. And they have the commitment to me that I'm going to give them the best product that they can find. And I have the commitment to them that I'm going to be honest about it, upfront about it, and tell them, hey, it's so cold here that we're going to end up with a dark cutter and you're not going to be happy. Right? Like, like yeah. those are the things that are important in this industry that a lot of guys are missing. You know, and and I'll be honest, we sell our our best, our old customers. We haven't changed our price since we started with those guys because they brought us to the game with them in their, in their nice SUV. And I'm sure as hell not going to forget that. So, you know, and it goes back to the association thing, right? Right. The AWA has been in the game since the second, they're the second established breed registry for Wagyu right behind the Australians. They have taken care of me. They have made me mad. And of all the faults that I have with them and all the problems that I've had with them over the last couple of years that have been me not liking certain things that are going on, the one thing they've always done, Lane, they've always verified and made sure my registries were credible. And that's... That's their number one priority. That's that's dollar sign. That's the... There's a reason that we can sell bulls on average for ten grand. There's a reason we can sell heifers for on average for 15. There's a reason we can sell steers any day of the week for $10 a pound hanging weight. It's because of that registry. So if I get a little upset when you guys start throwing rocks at the registry, it's because you haven't been around long enough to understand why it's that way. I'm sorry, you haven't. And and until you realize that, that some things need, yes, do I agree that the way they are doing their secondary transferring needs to be updated? I do. I do think there could be other options, but I also want everybody to remember, do you want to be the guy holding the bag when the original owner didn't, didn't say, yes, that animal can be bred. It can be registered and you register it. And then you have a huge lawsuit on your hands. And we see it all the time. I see it all the time. That's all the time we have for registry. That's right. We're moving on for red from registry because I told Lane, do not let us lag behind on this. So Lane, um, one of the things that I know that we are going to cover is what some extra things at the butcher shop that can make us some money on Wagyu. One of the things that we always talk about is inbreeding is improving our breed. Yep. That, that is on the forefront of every breeding decision we go through. 
And instead of going backwards with old genetics, we always try and go forward. So we see something in a dam or in a in a bull, a sire that we really like, and we want those characteristics passed on. And sometimes, well, most of the time, we don't like Master Chef. Master Chef right now has done us a wonderful job, right? And we've been in we've been in Master Chef longer than you guys have even heard of him, right? And, yeah. And so, what are we looking for now? We're looking for his prodigy. Yep. And, and here's to, the, like, what's to, my rule? What is my rule on a bull or a cow? We do not go backwards. And what do we require them to produce in the first three calves? A calf that's better than they are. Yes. And and he has done that multiple times for us. But here's the deal. If we don't start progressive breeding, you're going to be, everybody's going to be so far behind the guys that are doing it that you're going to be standing there holding your hand going, what's going on? Uh, Nobody, I knew... 10 year, eight years ago, Lane, what did I tell you about MasterChef? That he was going to be one of the most sought-after bulls because of the traits that he carried. Number one, marbling bull. He had good length. He had good um, height and depth. And just a wonderful sire to have. So we got in early on it. We got a bunch of semen stored. We'll probably be the last people to get a breed to him. But we aren't selling that stuff because... I don't sell the things that make me money. I don't sell ground. I don't sell. I don't sell a lot of stuff. But here's the deal, guys. I mean, I'm safe. Yeah, you're, yeah. We can't sell Lane right now. Okay, good. Maybe in a couple of years when he gets <laughs> on the senile train. But uh, he may be looking for a job in a couple of years once he forgets half the stuff he knows. So anybody who has a new shop opening, we'll send him your way then. There you go. Someplace but, warm. Someplace warm. Yeah, it's got to be south. And it's got to have good fishing that I can visit every other week. That's the go. other key. Okay. Um, but here's the real the reality of it, guys. Um, in order to make the red wagyu breed better, or even the blacks, we've got to do a couple things. We've got to make them bigger. We've got to make them better. We've got to make them marble faster. That, that's the reality of it. So, Lane, the D4 cow is probably the most valuable female in the wagyu breed right now. And do you want to? And do you want to know? And do you want to know why I say that? Because she's produced so much, right? And the other thing is, is I have, I can put an em- a list of embryos out and sell every embryo from her, including uh, our whole list. We had an embryo sell two weeks ago, and Lane was gone last week, so we didn't cover this because Lane went on a vacation to his old stomping ground, some nonsense like that. I know what he did. He just wanted to go hang out with his sister. That's what it was. But um, we, we were sold out in four hours. Posted a date, gone by by midnight. Whole damn list. That's a big list. 130 embryos, gone. But here's the deal. The D4 cow, I can post any sire almost lately. Two grand an embryo, they're gone. I don't get a question. I don't get a bitch. I don't get a, well, why is she so expensive? The reason she's so expensive is we have data on her. She's proven. And she's proven. But here's the biggest one, guys. So me and Lane have had this discussion because we have some early data on her that no one else has. And in this data, what would two extra ribeyes 
bring you per side at the butcher shop. So, say they're 16 to 20 ounce ribeyes? And you get four of them. Two on each side. So that'd be, if we go 125, that'd be 450, about 600 bucks. 600 bucks, right? Yep. So now that we've extended her rib loin and we're getting those, what else are we also getting? We're getting longer tenderloins. Yep. And we're getting longer New Yorks. So by doing this, guys, we're we're going to average an extra $1,000 per carcass. And the bonus is everything else is bigger and more. Correct. And the shoulders and the chucks and the rounds and it all goes proportional, right? Right. So just in our middle meats, though, we're making a grand. That's just pure profit. By using one cow, we are making a $1,000 extra profit. I figured, it, I, I did what's called a slide calculation on the rest of it. Now he's being an accountant. Right. The account, my accounting training is really, really sometimes detrimental. It, it is to me sometimes. So um, if we do a sli- what's called slide accounting, we take a proportionate fact of what the other animals bring rib loin tenderloin versus the rest of the carcass and we'll average about an extra 350 to 500 dollars depending on the carcass weight um of extra meat and we haven't even talked about how deep and long her briskets have been on her on her, on, on these calves so we're actually probably getting a couple pounds extra of brisket edible pounds not not correct. fat correct so my question to you all is what would a female like that be worth I know what she's worth because I know what, what somebody would have to pay to get, get me to get rid of her. But what to you would an animal that you can verify those things going to be worth? And the other reason I ask this is if she can produce that with her, with her meat offspring, can you only imagine what her breeding stock is going to add value to your, to your, your whole deal? Oh, Azalea, right? Right. She's bigger, she's longer, she's beautiful. Well, yeah, she's... because she's D4 by MasterChef. We, we, we mixed, I wanted, I wanted more length, I wanted more depth, I wanted more height, so I bred MasterChef. Now, all you guys out there running around wanting Katsukari, I need to have a talk with you. Katsukari is not this, like, magic bull you guys all think he is. Katsukari has a very good use in breeding, and you guys need to kind of pick this up. Just because they have a cool name doesn't mean they need to be bred to your cow. Each of these animals... I want you to think about it like Pokemon cards. My kids play Pokemon now. And and it's really interesting to me because Pokemon is, is... When I used to look at it when Lane's kid was playing, I used to be like, what a dumb game for a kid to be playing. Why ain't he outside playing? Right, Lane? Correct. And, and again, Lane has a son who's who's quite young, really. He's like, what, 20, 21? He's 20. 22? Two now. He's 22, yeah. right? Yeah, in grad Lane, school, right? Lane, Lane's old. Had his kid when he was 40. So it's just he has he has one of those late kids, right? And when I first mean I first started hanging out a lot, Dallin was in high school. So he was still playing these weird games. But I got thinking the other day and watching my kids play a little bit, because they're not good at it by any means. They're they're seven and six. Right. But each of these Pokemon have different strengths and weaknesses, right? Well, I started thinking about that. I should build some cards for cows. Like like playing cards essentially. There you go. And I could use them in our breeding program, right? I can like stack them all up, and then I can mix and match the weaknesses and the and the strengths. And and I got thinking about that. That's what everybody's forgetting right now in this breed. 
we have to maximize your weaknesses with a bull's strengths in your cow. And if you can't identify those, that's really hard. And the D4 cow, I talk so much good things about her. I know every weakness she has. If you don't think I haven't scoured over her every square inch, I know where she fails. Am I going to tell you where she fails? Probably not. But I breed bulls so that I don't have to worry about the failures that she has. We just we just worry about the maternal traits that she's passing that are That is excellent. the most important right there. We have her passing on a huge amount of marbling, a huge amount of size, a huge amount of length, and it's not... It's not so that, here's the other problem. I've seen in other breeds where cows get stretched so long their backs don't hold up in them. That's not what we want. We want proportional growth. Correct. So you guys are all starting to get hot on this Katsukari bull. The issue is with him is that, yes, he has decent marbling. Not as good as Master Chef's dad, Kajikari. The issue is, is both, so Master Chef's father and Katsukari share a sire. Cool. But Kajikari had Yume as a, as a dam to make Master Chef. You're talking about, you know, to make Kajikari, right? Hakari by Yume makes Kajikari. Then Kajikari goes and makes Master Chef with a really good Shugmaru daughter. So here's the deal, guys. We need to start thinking about these secondary things. So, Lane, you're you're a frugal individual. Like he really is. Like Lane is one of those cool guys that can can make one he made Abraham Lincoln's head hurt so bad from pinching pennies. Like, like it's reality. So, Lane, if you could buy Master Chef for five thousand a straw, mm-hmm. or you could buy a really good son of Master Chef by D four, for let's just say mm-hmm. fifty dollars a unit, I'd buy five thousand dollars of the D four. Right, right, because then you can use that the same way. And, and so the problem, guys, you're having is that you you're getting locked into these Master Chefs. You're getting locked into these Katsukaris. I've got a Katsukari son. We've got one. David, it's over at David's house. David bought it from from Eldon at the end. I let him. I let him buy it because I knew we needed it. So we all run one one freaking herd, right? Right. He is a beautiful bull. William is a good boy. William's a good boy. But here's the deal: Why would you want Katsukari when you have William, who is goes back to a one? So he is a D fifteen son. D fifteen is a one by Rusha ninety two. Katsukari on top. So now, guys, let's think about this. So now you're mixing Katsukari, which is Hakari by Akiko. And then you're mixing the A1 cow in, which is Kalenga Red Star. Then, by, by B647, then you're bringing Rusha 92 in. So now you're bringing a WSI mother in. You are now making a perfect package for you to be successful in the future. Why are you chasing these bulls? I don't understand it. You're not breeding. You're not using breeding strategy. Somebody asked me the other day, would you buy Master Chef today? I go, hell no, not for the cost. I wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. I wouldn't do it because there are better animals that have been created from him. And that's our strategy. Right. Always, always go better. Lane, what is one thing we get asked a lot when people come on tour? Why are we so far ahead of the rest of the industry? Well, that's why. Yeah. We are more in tune trying to get the stuff done 
in the next generation and not stagnating on the old. And you know, guys, Steve talks like this, like it's easy. It is easy. For Steve, it's easy. He's been around it his whole life. He understands it. I mean, he has the education for it, both formally and applicably. Right. And he can just see in his mind's eye. When he's talking these, these things, I'm seeing about above his head, here's this cow, and here's this bull, and here's this sire, and here's this dam, and, and you got her, and this, and this, and this, and they're making this. And why would you? I mean, he sees it as clear... As clear, but I can't read a set of freaking house. Plans. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 the reality is, guys, um, I've been trained to breed cows since I was a little kid, and then I've I've used my formal education and then my lifetime in the industry, the cattle industry, to be able to really, really, really be able to narrow down. What is important and what is not important? And one thing, guys, if you're trying to chase a dollar because you think you're going to make some Master Chef embryos, you're going to spend five grand. You're going to make some embryos. You're going to sell them for twelve hundred bucks. Cool. Like if that's the point, cool, whatever. But you're not helping anybody, and you're not helping yourself. Because every time a cow that's not as good is used, it devalues the Master Chef semen or it devalues the Katsukari semen. But here's the deal. If you have a really a really good cow, why don't you breed it with a really good son of these bulls? You'd be farther ahead. It costs you less money, and you're still going to get ten grand out of it. Like I'd rather spend sell fifty bulls at ten grand and know that they're going to all go than have to figure out how to get rid of a few. So, you know, that's one thing we need to remember, guys. We need to start breeding for the future and stop stagnating in the past because the commercial cattle guy. I hate to tell you guys all this. They're learning. The F1s are worth money. They are. And the other thing they're learning is is they want bigger, better Wagyu bulls so that they don't lose as much on, on their weaning weights. And they do. And I'll tell you a secret. They all come with about five to ten grand. And if they get two bulls, cool. If they get one bull, fine. But they're coming with that same five to ten grand that they've been spending every year at the Angus Association bull cells and they're now coming to wag you and if you ha you are not producing an animal that meets that criteria they're not even going to stop at your place huh so we're back to where we started with registration registration right registration, right, right? But, but here's the other good deal guys that you guys don't understand lane what else what other breeds of bulls are in my bullpen with my wagyu bulls what other breed of bull live in my wagyu pen side by side that people come look at that are all black. Oh, the Angus bulls. Right. So I can compete directly against myself. High-end Angus bulls versus high-end Wagyu bulls. It's not even a... And, and it's not... It's, it's now becoming a fairly even match now. Right? And that's important. It's important to be able to... Then you tell them how much better they'll... they'll, they'll produce in in f1 crossing and then we take them and have them let them let them see some f1s that we luckily sometimes we have one getting cut up that belongs to us and we can go show them you know 20 years ago right and yeah, we were discussing this the other day 
um, Hereford was king of the hill. Oh, yeah, easy. You know, they were big animals. Well, they were hardy. They... Well, and growing up, I, I come out of the Hereford industry, right? Like So, right. so I remember this. <laughs> and, and they always looked good all the time. I mean, that was just what they were. And uh, the marketing for um, the Angus was so vastly especially superior. through Especially through boxed beef. Yeah. That it just, uh, it's hard to find an uh, Hereford herd around here anymore. Well, and in Idaho and Wyoming and, and especially Montana, Hereford was king. You get a lot of Bali herds now, though, that yeah. are half, half and half, right? So... The, where was I going with this? Um, but years ago, Angus were smaller beef. Right. They were a lot smaller than they are today. And I'd say carcass two to 400 pounds lighter than they are today. Oh, easy. Right? Yeah. And so... They've, what they've done over the last 20 years, 25 years, if they've developed their herd, I mean, the whole association seems to have gone to bigger, stronger, beefier. Well, well look at Schaff at SAV, right? Right. They're, they're the highest gross selling cattle sale of the year. Their EPDs aren't great, they say, but you go look at them and those bulls produce meat. And And at the end of the day, the commercial guy gets paid on pounds. Yeah. And so, you know, why don't we take advantage of that and get the premium? Well, yeah, because now we're helping. And this is the other thing I was telling somebody the other day. The the advantage Wagyu has right now is that you can take a rancher that was on the verge of bankruptcy, barely making it year to year. And if you can get them running some Angus or some Wagyu bulls that aren't killing their, their, their weaning weights, they'll make another 20% more than they're making now. And now they can afford to take their wife to dinner from time to time. There you go. And you want to know some loyalty when you can help a guy go from break even to having a little money in the bank. He'll be back at your bull cell every year. You'll never have to talk him into buying a bull because he'll be there with his checkbook ready to go every year. Because he needs another one of your bulls so that he can continue to take his wife out for dinner. Yeah. Just the other day, we had a customer buy quite a few. Yeah. Quite a bit, yes. Yep. Because they know that it's going to work. Because we prove that it works before we sell them. And here's the other deal about us guys. We don't just breed animals and make embryos that we won't use. Like, like we, everything we make, we use. Everything we sell, we've used. And just because you pull up somebody's breed association to see what's registered to them, that doesn't mean that they haven't used or bred these animals because not all Wagyu get registered. And that's what we find that causes more problems out there with people that, well, where'd you get this? Well, I got this from this guy that he said he bought it from so-and-so and stuff, but it's, it's uh, supposed to be full Wagyu. Well, and it's mean as can be. That's the other one I keep hearing. Yeah. And but we get it in, and it's not. It doesn't even. It doesn't even. It's worse than some old dairy cow most of the time. A lot of times. A lot of times. So I mean, it's just 
And then they say, well, I took it home and it's still pretty tender, so it's pretty good. So I'm going to sell it for blah, 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 pound. Well, good luck with that. And you'll have a pissed off customer, but. Yeah. Right. Well, and Lane has to call these people. That's the worst part of it all, I think. Because <laughs> he'll call me. He's like, I got to call and tell them their, their stuff's bad. I'm like, well, glad you're doing it. <laughs> he says, when are you going to do that? And I said, well, probably towards the end of the day because I don't want to ruin my whole day. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I, I always offer to call and tell them, but he says no. Well, he's not very nice <laughs> on stuff. They, they'll, they'll start to argue, and then he doesn't. Then. That's his number one, number one rule. Yeah. Be nice. Be nice. And so on the stuff that he has a hard time being nice on, I kind of help him out with that. And and rule two is don't do dumb shit. That's true. Right? Yep. And he helps me out with that a lot. (laughs) So what's that? What's next on the agenda today, Lane? I think we, other than if you, um, how about value the animals that they actually have okay so guys here's the deal um let's just throw some numbers out so say you have a cow and she produces roughly 30 embryos a collection you have to get three collections worth of value out of her right if you're gonna sell her that's the only thing that makes sense yeah because the next guy he'll just run three collections and then he'll have his money back but here's where the tricky part comes how do you value what three flushes are worth well for most cows in this breed, I would say 98.5% of them, $800 is a pretty fair assessment on embryo per flush. So $800 per embryo is kind of what I've figured out over the years for just a good cow, but she isn't anything special. So 800 times 30 gives you what? Twenty-four grand. Yep, $24,000 per flush. So now we're going to take that and times it by three. And that will give you the value of that cow, 75 grand. So a lot of people... 222 grand. 222, right? Um, but, but the problem, it, that, that's not right because you times it one too many. Did I? Yeah, it should be three times that. Three times, three times 24. Well, it's going to be 70. 22. Yeah. Yeah, 24,000 times... Three lane. Six, twelve, seventy-two thousand. As you can okay. tell, my accountantness gets the best of go. me sometimes. But anyway, so you're at seventy-two grand of the value, right? And here's the deal why. So you're gonna have that cow if you flush her three times, you're gonna make seventy-two grand. That's what you need out of her. So then it gets tricky. It gets more tricky once your cow you if you have a really good cow or a really rare cow. Um, then it gets more more expensive, right? So I told somebody this the other day. So we have a judo cow, and she is great. Um, in order for us to let her go, she gives us a round, a round average of 40 per flush, right? That means she's worth about 125K. And everybody goes, oh, that's so much money. It's really not. If you If you got that many embryos, you're good. But here's the deal. We have data on our embryo collections. We know what our lifetime average is. Our embryologist knows what our lifetime average is. And if a guy was smart, they'd call us up and they'd buy a cow that, that had a high flush number, right? Right. And then they would send them to freaking Sean's house. Yeah. Because he's been flushing them and he knows how they work. Yeah. And then I would leave her there until I had my value of the cow in flushes. 
And then I would bring her home and find someone at home if I didn't live here. That, that's, that's how we do it. Yeah. Now that we've bought cows and brought them home, but hell, we're coming from Montana four or five hours away. That's not going to kill nobody. Like they're in the same climate, the same condition. They're not, they might've come down in elevation a touch, but the reality is they're good cows. They're going to stay on, on cycle. And then we let Sean mess with them and he takes care of them and gets us on, on a good collection cycle. And off we go. Oh, and they get fat. Oh yeah. Sean overfeeds. <laughs> and we bring them home and got to put them on diet. Go on Jenny 20 for a while. And Sean's like, I didn't, I, I, I needed them to produce embryos. And I understand it. You have to have good feed to produce embryos. But I know when the girls come home, they just have to be starved a little bit. And that starved isn't the right word, but they need to be lessened on their amount of intake until they're at a healthy weight again. Because you don't want to have a fat cow and not be able to get calf out. Yeah, that's and that's why we... They go on Jenny 20. Yep. And, and I don't ever feel bad about it. I usually laugh the whole time. Because as they're getting thinner, they're getting, they move better, they walk better, they're happier. And he... And he, he Hurts their feelings all the time. He calls them fat so so so, so uh, the call for my donor cows is come on fat girls, and they all come running. So they must like it. They, they must like it they because they all come. Give them snacks. Yep, yep. They all come running, and my and, and my seven and, and eight year old, um, they they even yell it now too. It doesn't make their mom so happy. Your Lane's wife, but <laughs> they, uh, I'm just I'm just. Uh, Waiting for when they start uh, when they start uh, using some of your other colorful oh, yeah. from their mom and yeah, grandma. Yeah, that's not good. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I'll blame it on the kids. I don't know where they got that from. Must school. be school. 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 Yeah. School. Yeah. It couldn't have been hanging out with dad. That ain't that ain't where it comes from. But you know, and that's the thing, guys. The value of a cow is really what you have to have out of her, though. Like, if you want to just get rid of a cow for five, six grand, go ahead and do it. But you have to be able to, to prove why that cow's worth that, right, Lane? You do. And yeah. and do you know so the D four cow, every calf we've sold out of her, the cheapest one we've ever sold was ten grand. And she's sold a couple up into the twenty grand mark. Um so for me, I have to have two grand an embryo for me to let that go. So if you buy three embryos, which is six thousand dollars, and you get one of three which Sean has proven that you're probably going to get two of three, but whatever. If you get one of three, you've made your money back plus $4,000. Seems pretty fair. It seems pretty fair. I'm selling it at a rate where you can make $4,000. Pretty simple. Pretty easy, pretty proven product. And and what everybody forgets is that not all of not all Wagyu are created equal, for one. And the other thing is, is what differentiates your cow from mine? Well, mine gives me more ribeyes, tenderloins, and New Yorks. What does yours give you? Can you make ten grand on a carcass because your cow produces high-quality, high-marbled, high-yielding carcasses? And that's a deal, by the way. Um, a new customer and things just getting started with us. They're not going to be paying ten thousand for a carcass. They're going to be paying fourteen to sixteen. Well, yeah, but we say ten because that's the old school model, right? Okay, okay, right, but right. I mean, but but really, Lane, when's the last time we were able to 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 serve a new a new customer? Really, 
that all the old guys are they suck it they suck it all up it all up yeah right like they start with one and then their kid needs one and then their cousin's brother's first cousin needs one and by the time we're all done we're out of calves yeah right yeah so so the reality is if we were to bring new customers on we'd probably be around the fifteen thousand dollar mark yeah, I think so. Because even at $10 a pound, we're roughly 1,100 to 1,500 pound hanging weights, mm-hmm. depending on the animal. That's really where we are, right? Yeah. Um, those those guys, the, the old boys get the, the easy deal. I charge them 10K right across the board. Yeah, but there's usually some things that come along with that. Guys have property. They have fishing holes. Right, right. They're friends. We want to go but, but they're, stay with. They've, right. become, they've become our friends, right? Yeah. And and the big thing is is you know I don't we don't throw this out there all the time but hell half these guys are only paying like seven dollars a pound hanging weight by the time it's all said and done yeah and and when we sell them that's that's delivered to your front door like that's not oh it's ten grand and we're gonna charge you another thousand to cut it up and we're gonna charge you another this to bring it that's ten grand delivered to your house and put in your freezer and Lane helps your wife organize it so it's properly organized in your freezer. It's just the truth of it. Yeah, that's what we do. Um, I'd, I'd like new customers, but it, our old guys seem to think that, that we don't need them. So, which is okay. Which is fine. I'm happy about it. Yeah. I'm never going to complain about it. But it's interesting to think that if we were to have some new customers, the difference in dealing with new people would be would be hard. It's kind of like dealing with chefs. We don't always love doing it. I actually hate doing it most of the time, but... There is a necessary evil there sometimes that we do deal with them once they've paid all their bills. Once and that's usually been our problem, right? They complain, they get mad, they get angry, they throw a tantrum, and then... You come off. Yeah, I get mad at them and say something that usually makes them feel bad for a while. And then I tell them they can't have any more product. And then a year later, they pay up like the rest of the money they owe us, and then they want product. It's like they forget after that check clears uh-huh. that they uh, were a pain. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> and you put it right in my lap. Yep, every time. Yeah, that's why I, I uh, we continue dealing with them usually is because I don't have to deal with them. I give it to Lane, and Lane only tells me when they're like a year behind or eight months behind, and they owe us like fifteen hundred bucks. That's usually when Lane's like, "Okay, I've tried everything I can." I you need to get your fifteen hundred bucks, and I make a few phone calls, and I get my money usually. So this last one took you a little, been about two years. No, no, it hasn't been that long. I looked at the the date. Uh, it was it was um, thirteen months, six days from the day that we gave it to him. But the pigs, he finally paid up on two, and that was two years. Yeah, right. Like so, it's a wash. It's a wash. I got all my money. I did. That's good. I must have not have needed it that bad. <laughs> Because uh, I didn't really worry too much. Like, I knew I'd get it. It'd just take me having to go spend some time over there and dealing with him. So uh, I think we've covered almost everything on the list today, Lane. How about you? I think so. I think we had a good session. What, 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 was, our last, what was the last thing on the list? Uh, moving on to new genetics. and Right, we already covered they, that. Yeah, we Sweet. Did. Yeah, we did. And we so, talked about your embryo cell. Yep. Uh, increasing length. To increase his profits, registration, important for the association with proper paper registration. So the last thing we're going to leave with today, well, I'm going to leave you with a final thought after Lane tells you, what is an appropriate date for a 45th anniversary? 
Oh, that was... Let's see. What did we do? We went to the zoo. They went to the zoo, and I think he said they went to the Museum of Idaho to go see the, the dinosaurs. We opted out of that oh. one. Oh. We still have that for... Another Probably date night. Another date night. But. So, so I want you guys to all remember that, like, sometimes I think we get out of control with our anniversaries, and we should sometimes, right? But if a guy who's been married 45 years can't just take his wife to the zoo... Um, they probably wouldn't be married and we 45 had a great years, time right 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 and it was and, more about spending time with each other yeah and she got her flowers nice. I did a beautiful bouquet of flowers I, I, for her I'm looking we, at them right now and we went he did an okay job and we went to we went to a nice dinner just where'd you end up going for dinner we ended up going to the Jakers uh, and they did they did a great I, job I tried to get him to go to the Himalayan cuisine place. We'll, go, we'll do that another night. He, he, he's obstinate about things like this No, I sometimes. already have the reservation. I know. He thinks reservations are important. Yeah. <laughs> they are important, though, for important things. That way you get a good table. And they, and they treated us so, so great, right? Right, Had right. to fly up flowers on the table for us. Even got better. There and, and, uh, and the whole staff came, congratulated. Even some of the patrons came. Nice. Congratulated us and told us how nice that was, and it was just—I mean, it was a good Janice, evening. And Janice was just beaming. It was just all you could ask for, right? Right, and and that's the big thing is that you guys had enjoyed the evening and enjoyed the day. I called him because I wanted him to do a podcast, and he's like, "I can't," and I'm like, "Why can't you?" Because I've been gone a lot the last three weeks. And he said, "Well, you can, you can." Take her out later. I said, Steve, you do not get to dictate my anniversary. Well, I told him, I'm like, hey, just because you've been married 45 years doesn't mean that you just, you have to go out. Like, like you've been married 45 years. She ain't going nowhere. So he... <laughs> she he, might. <laughs> he talked me into this whole wait-a-day thing, and now it's 10 o'clock at night, and we're still running a podcast. But it's okay. That's that's the life we live sometimes. It so is. I'm going to leave you with a final thought on this for the, for, for the week wrapped up. Um, I want you guys to really evaluate your cattle. I want you to really evaluate the things that you need out of them. And then, then you make it work. I also want you guys to really step back and think about what I was talking about with buying second, third generation semen. Um, anymore, like, like I'm truly honest about this. If I had to pay the prices today for Master Chef, I wouldn't buy him. If I had to pay the prices today for for Katsukari, I wouldn't buy him. You know, the reality really lies in the fact that you there are there are some good sons out there that you guys really should be looking at to to make it worth your while. But you bought these when they were the sons. Right, they were the sons, Kajikari's son and and William was Katsukari's son. Like we bought them as sons because we we saw the value of the dams with the maximized sire performance. And here's the deal. Instead of buying straws, I'd buy embryos if you're going to do it. If you really want a Katsukari son or daughter, go buy the damn embryos. You're farther ahead. Um, you're like, oh, I can make more of my own embryos. I go, here's the problem, guys. Everybody, everybody really needs to take a look at their females and go, hey, I have a number one female, a number two female, and we do this. The D4 cow is no longer the number one female in the herd. Her daughter is. And if it wasn't for Sean, she wouldn't be at collection right now. 
If it wasn't for Sean talking some common sense into me, because he sees hundreds of cows all the time, and he he recognizes how much of a of a breed changer she is, because she, he he goes everywhere. He sees all sorts of different cows, and and he sees the the change and the breed that she can bring, and that's why he talks me into to collecting her. Because ask Lane a year ago, my plan for her was she gonna go hang out in a pasture and be a cow. That was the plan. So, you know, we, we have second generation and, 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 and soon I'll have third generation D4s that, you know, her live calf Lady Godiva is a beautiful big owl son on top of D4. She looks just like the other ones. Like, like she's stamping and improving the breed so much. But here's the deal. You need to rank your females and then you need to really take a look at them and go, are these females, where do they lie in the percentage of other Wagyu? Because and, and I want you to remember this. I had read somewhere not too long ago that 13 to 15% of all red Wagyu um, are registered with the AWA. The rest of them are registered through the AAA. And, and the devaluation you guys are seeing at the AAA, I'm sorry, but it's because your registry is no longer credible. And the AWA cows, they're so few and far between, and they are expensive. Because they are so few and far between. But they are better cattle because they are proven cattle. Even the Australian cattle are better cattle because they're proven cattle. Your registry at the Akushi Association, I am sorry that they lost a lawsuit and lost credibility, but that's their fault, not mine. That's their fault, not the AWAs or the Australians. And and really... Because they're privately owned, I foresaw this at the beginning. I have told Lane from day one, I will not touch a Heartbrand cow. I will not touch a legendary cow. I will not touch anything that's not AWA registered. And I've been saying that for better than eight years now. Yeah, from day one. From day one, because I foresaw, because of my life from the Hereford industry, you know, watching the pulled Herefords and the Herefords and not having a a, con, a cohesive registry for all those years, I foresaw what was going to happen. And we we have never had any of those. And I won't let anybody that we do, like, like you know, my wife's Uncle David, we, we don't buy those cattle. Even if they have cool breedings. And it, and it hurts my heart sometimes. Because there are some cattle I would love to have that are Akushi registered. But I can't do it. I can't devalue my herd. And and you guys just need to take that in and take it for what it's worth. And I'm sorry if you're stuck in that AAA game. Please figure out how you're going to get some better cattle that are that are recognized worldwide. Because I have a bad feeling that in the next 10 years, your AAA cattle will continue to devalue. From, from the rumors that, that you hear out there about class actions coming up that fall after their $30 million loss to Twinwoods, um, I would be very concerned having Akaushi Association cattle right now. Um, I, think, I think people are seeing that. They're converting over to dual registered animals. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with registering your animals at the Akaushi Association, but you better have an AWA registry too. That, that's a bare minimum because you can go anywhere in the world with an AWA registry. You can stay in Texas and the United States with an Akushi registry. So I want you to remember that. 
I want you to, you know, breed good cattle. I want you to think about all the things we talked about today. But the most important part, love the people you're with. Love the people that help you out. Be good to them. Because you never know, you might wake up 45 years later and still married to them. So we'll leave you with that. Have another lovely day and a lovely evening. And we're out here at What's New in Wagyu. Strong.